Welcome to Making Action Happen with Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. We're here to discuss public policy issues in our home state of Colorado and beyond. Making Action Happen is presented by Action 22. Find out about our organization at action22.org. Now, here are your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Making Action Happen. I'm Sarah Blackhurst. And I'm Brian McCain. And we have got the incomparable Representative Ty Winter from Honey, Colorado, but representing something like 87 counties in Colorado here with us today to just kind of talk about a little uh, what happened with the special session. That was crazy. You and I were texting back and forth for most of it. Uh, and just the... A preview of coming events. So we've got POTUS coming into Pueblo tomorrow. I'll be there. Ty, are you going to be there? Um, no, ma'am. I've got a few more important things to do. <laughs> uh, which means he didn't make the invite list. Oh, actually, he did. Yeah, no, I, I know you did. I know you did. I just, uh, yeah, I, I really I got important things to do. Well, yeah. and it's a long, it's a quite a long trip to come up. Um, so we appreciate you being here. Which, oh, anytime. By the way. Like in case people don't realize it, like Pueblo is a presidential stop. It always has been. I it, think we've talked about it before. Yeah, multiple times. Yep. I, I mean, the last as long as I've been alive, a president's been here in Pueblo. So I didn't really understand that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew that that was happening, but I didn't know the whys until you explained it to me probably yeah, two or three years yeah. ago. But this is really quite interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, but the most interesting story of it was when George Bush Senior, actually, he was vice president. Uh, we'll start off with an anecdotal story. Uh, the the Nature and Raptor Center, right? So they rehabilitate birds over by the Nature Center. So George Bush, older George Bush, is vice president. He comes in, and he's going to release a bald eagle. So my dad was <laughs> always in charge of the, the security for whenever a president came in. Um, he has a picture with, like, everyone on his wall. So... Vice President Bush gets up there, and if you go to the Nature Center, there's this big cliff, and the idea is the film's there, the news, he's going to release this eagle, and it's going to fly off, totally rehabilitate it. <laughs> Excuse me. And he releases it, and the eagle goes, and hits a tree. Shut up. On the news, on live TV, <laughs> on everything. That's a rough And, 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 uh, and I, I guess Bush, Vice President Bush goes, well, that's not a good sign. I'm planning on running for president. <laughs> so. That's a great story. Now, the thing about it is, is I could see why it's a stop. I mean, the prowess of Pueblo, especially when CF and I was in its glory. Just the thing about it is, is I just, you know, things aren't good in the country right now. There's mm-hmm. no doubt things aren't good in the world right now. And I just can't sit and listen to the pandering of voters. I mean, we definitely need some type of change in this country. And I hope the people of Pueblo and that do attend kind of take a look at the policies and hopefully ask some tough questions when he comes to town because, you know, Small town Colorado, which Pueblo now is small town Colorado, we're suffering yeah. and we suffer a lot more. I mean, and um, you know, there's just a lot of crazy things going on. The cost of groceries, the cost, well, fuel's down now, but cost of fuel that we've been dealing with. And I think that, you know, instead of this being a celebratory, you know, um, I'm coming to Pueblo to talk about wind power, especially after we find out in Colorado that electric power is a lot higher than natural gas power in the state. I mean, hopefully people ask some real tough questions and aren't just blinded by the president's coming to town and actually, you know, call to task some of the policy changes that his administration's uh, reinstated and uh, now the voters are paying for. So, I mean, 
you know, as an elected official, I always, you know, I, I, I take criticism, I take constructive criticism, and I get asked hard questions. And I think that, you know, the razzle-dazzle of President Biden's coming to Pueblo shouldn't overshadow uh, the issues that Puebloans are facing and all of Colorado. If they let people ask questions. Yeah, I don't. Good point. That's yeah, I, might, I'm talking about that's, being on a list. You're more right. important if you're on the question list. Yeah, yeah. I don't. Yeah, um, there is. I don't think that there's any opportunity to ask um, ask any questions on that. It it just and I I totally understand it. There's been times when like we've had the governor or whatever, and I'm you don't have to take questions, and and he'll you know he would take questions or whatever, yeah. but. Um, it can get out of hand real, real quick because right. uh, people, especially as you say right now, people have a lot of feelings about what's what's going on. So can we back up just a little bit? Because uh, we had uh, Beasley on uh, and that episode's already gone up to talk a little bit about what happened with the um, with the special session. And the big takeaway that I had from that conversation was, uh, and I'm going to quote him on it, um, is that uh, Coloradans largely got what they would have if HH would have passed. Now, HH lost by, what, 20, like a 20-point spread or so. Um, so you were up there. You were in the thick of it. I came and saw you for a few minutes on Saturday, and it, it went Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday you guys were done. Yeah. Um, you were pretty weary and frustrated on Saturday. Mm-hmm. That was just day two of that. So can you tell us a little bit behind the scenes what you saw happening up there? Um, yeah, well, well, the reason we were down and out is, is you know, we brought good legislation to the table. There was a few Republican bills ran. I think that they were all good. Um, I think that they all had a purpose. And I think that they would offer more tax relief to Colorado citizens in, in, in a different way. And it was frustrating because those bills died in committee on a party line vote. Um, and like the task force bill, it was disheartening because Senator Byron Pelton and minor, Assistant Minority Leader Rose Puglisi stakeholded that bill for six months. And Rose set it up at the well. She's, she looked at the representative that ran it and said, nothing against you, but basically your party took my bill, hijacked it, changed a couple things, and then ran it and passed it. And, you know, she said, you know, you guys talk about bipartisan, but bipartisanship isn't just Republicans jumping on Democrat bills. It's Democrats jumping on Republican bills. And I think she really hammered that home. But that's the disheartening thing is, is because we represent a large swath of voters in the state of Colorado. If you look at the House races, there wasn't a major point shift. You know, I set it up in the well. They talked about a mandate for like the first month we were there last year. And they forgot what a mandate is because I believe the Colorado voters gave them a mandate when they looked at Prop HH. And, you know, some were calling it Operation Cookie Jar from the well. You know, I, I likened it to the hokey pokey. You know, you take one in, you take one out, you <laughs> twist it all around. And then and that was the same thing. But what was even more disheartening is, is you literally had legislators take from Tabor. The citizens said, no, do not touch yeah. Tabor. That was a referendum on Tabor. And you literally had legislators say, you want to know what? We know better than you. Yeah. we Your voice, you know, you made the wrong choice. So now... We're going to step in and we're going to make this choice for you. And I really have an issue with that because, like I said at the while again, it's not me the people, it's we the people. And I think yeah. that we've gone away from that. Um, we were talking earlier, it's no different than 181 and Prop 112 when the voters said hands off oil and gas. And then the state said, oh, we yeah. know better than you. So this is two times this has happened now um, under this governor. And I think that, you know, hopefully Colorado citizens, when they hit the ballot box next November, they're awake and they're still mad that, you know, they literally have politicians at the Capitol, you know, um, parenting them through their voting process making the decisions for you because you made the wrong decision basically and you said uh when you talked to the reporter 
you know, why did you vote the way you voted? And what did you tell the reporter? So they asked me on that, and then they asked me on the earned um, child tax income credits. Uh, that was the question that was asked yesterday. The pro- uh, one of the reporters in Trinidad asked me, you know, because right away they handed us all a list that showed in our district, you know, how it affected our district. The issue I have is, is if we as representatives, I'm not going to say politicians, don't start making a stand and saying what is right and what's hard, then we're doing a disservice to my district. So I got up and said in the well, and I told the reporter this, I said, the reason I can't vote for this, I says, because the simple fact is what's behind it. I says, I have proud people in my district, proud coal miners, proud oil and gas workers, proud ranchers, farmers, small business owners, truckers, anything you can think of. But when the big arm of government and you at this Capitol pass legislation that kills the industries in my district, then you want to ho- then it's, well, we've got to give you this money like a drug. Here's this money because we killed your industries. And then when, pa- when a representative stands up and says, well, I can't vote for this because it's condoning what you've done to my district and I'm going to draw the hard line, they try to use that guilt vote on you. Mm-hmm. And that isn't what my district needs. My district needs, needs a representative that's going to go up and shoot it straight and tell the truth. And I feel like that's why I was elected. And I did tell him, you killed my industries. My people want to work. But right. you have taken their ability to work away from them, and now you want to backfill their income like a drug and say, "Here, here's this money. We're gonna and, and, and we're gonna keep giving you this money, giving you this money." What I say is, is take your hands off of our industries, let our people be proud, go back to work, earn for themselves, make a good living, a better life for their families, and everybody else in Colorado prospers. And I will draw that hard line because if. We as elected officials don't start speaking the truth and not be afraid to get out there in the wild and fight back for our district and just keep condoning what they're doing by voting for handouts. I think that's a bigger disservice to my district than voting for a handout when my people want to work. And he also said, the voters already said no, so I voted yeah. no. Yeah, I just yeah. voted yeah. the will of the voters. The reporter asked me, what yeah. did you think about, that was about the money that took Tabor. She goes, what did you think? She goes, Senator Heinrichson ran this bill, which is in opposition of what you said. I said, she goes, what's your answer? It was clear, one sentence. The people told me what to think. The people yeah. voted. I have no say in this. And I think that that's important to know is the people voted don't touch Tabor. And that was my answer. And, yeah. they, and they did it anyway, even though that's what was voted for. Um, what do you think is what? And I guess this is a, a weird way to ask this, but what do you think is the final um, line in the sand? So we've got, so 181, you were right about that. You know, they said this is what we want, and so then the next session there's a whole package of bills that basically did what the voters said no to. Now we saw it again with the special session. At, what's the breaking point? Um, we had this discussion earlier, and I had this discussion with the reporter too yesterday. Um, this is a time in Colorado where I hope the voters of Colorado will look and say, okay, we gave you the keys to the car. And now this is what we have. Some of the highest crime, crime, highest inflation, energy prices are going through the roof because you threw a wet blanket on our economy, which when you killed the energy industry, you killed rural Colorado, small Colorado. I mean, we should have the steel mill fired back up, in my opinion, running 100%. Puebloans should be working at that steel mill. I mean, and that's a whole other issue we can get into over, you know, the climate politics and what it does to us. But what it comes down to is, is I hope the voters of Colorado are taking all of notes. They're seeing what's happening in their state. And they say, okay, we handed the keys to the car to you and you wrecked the car. Yeah. Now we're going to hand it to somebody else to try. But what my fear is, is what we were talking earlier is I think is a fear of a lot of people in my party is, is. I think last election cycle, we were very solid on our messaging. I think we were consistent, and I think we had a real message. Crime was crazy. Inflation was crazy. But at the end of the day, we'll get through primary election season. As the election rolls around, then it'll be January 6th, abortion and guns. And then, unfortunately, the powers that be throw that red stake in front of, you know, 
the citizens, and then we tear each other apart. And are those things important? But politics used to be those things were important, but they hovered on the outside of what actually yeah. affected your life. Right. We should be talking about making it affordable for our families to live in homes, find a way to build more housing. And that doesn't mean necessarily taking government subsidies to build housing. That means pulling the red tape and the regulations back and actually building housing instead of doing it in a confined box. Taking a look at our energy industry again and see if it's worth killing our economy and putting people out of work, which is your tax base, Mm-hmm. all for some finite numbers that at the end of the day with the amount of smog that China and India pushes out is minuscule. So is it worth throwing a wet blanket on our energy industry? So, I mean, I, I think these are the issues that we need to sit down and talk about as Coloradans, the kitchen table issues that actually affect us. And I think that, and I'm going to say this, I'm going to venture to say this, I think not only nationally, but I think in Colorado, the working people, the blue-collar Americans are realizing that the Republican Party has become the party of the blue-collar worker. Mm-hmm. We're the party of Big Tent now. And I think that people are starting to realize that, and we have the solution. So I hope the voters take these kitchen table issues, the things that are affecting their day, daily lives, and then they take a book from old-school politics, you know, 90s and before. Hey, these are issues that we're going to fight about, but for the good of our country and for the good of this state, we're going to pull together and actually work on the issues that we can. And if we have time, we'll beat the hell out of each other over these fringe issues that we do. And that's that's what my hopes are as a citizen, as a father, as a husband, as a son, and as a legislator is that we can figure out a way to actually do the work for Colorado and keep the things that divide us when it comes down to our actual daily life to the side. And you know, if we've got time for that, Let's battle over it, but let's get the real work done first. Yeah, we always say the wedge issues, they only pop up in a big election. Right. And the, the ironic part, you can argue with the Roe versus Wade part, but you know, I, historically over the past 30 years, the issues that come up, the, the guns, abortion, that sort of thing. And now it's insurrection. That's, yeah. the, new, that's the new hot button. But if you notice, yeah, nothing, January 6th, oh. nothing ever gets done. No. It's like you, like any either side. It's not just one side. It's like we don't want anything done because we'd love to bring these up during an election and we can fight about this while like all this other stuff that really right. impacts you kind of goes well, on. Well, the things that are done, they're fought against. Sorry for interrupting. But the thing is, though, is, is even Ruth Bader Ginsburg knew that they were going to throw this back yeah. in the court's yeah. hands and it was going to be overturned because we're a federalist nation and this isn't yeah. a state-by-state issue. And people lost their mind. But the problem is that's because we don't teach kids civics anymore in yeah. school to realize that this is actually how our government works. And it's a good thing that this, the Supreme Court stepped in. And a republic is a, a country that's run by law. And they stepped in and did what they were supposed to do. They put it back to the states to do. Now, if it's changed by the voters in the future or if it's state-by-state legislation like we have here in Colorado, you know, but part of it is people need to know the process. And you got to put down the news channels. you got to quit listening to the pundits. And you got to do some research and actually know how your government works. And I think that... That's very important for us to do as, as legislators is, as you know, I talked at, I think, seven or eight schools this year. And did I talk about party politics? No, because that isn't my job. I went in and taught them the bill on the hill process. This is how it goes. This is what I do. Now, if they ask me tough questions, I'd look at the teacher and they say, yeah, answer it. That's yeah. fine. One or yeah. two questions. But kids need to know the process and how to be involved. And unfortunately, a lot of adults need to know that, too, because they've been, you know, left left yeah. behind. And I think it's very important that you know the process of how things work. And then I think that that'll stop some of this because imagine how many people, if they knew how that was supposed to work, might not have such a visceral reaction. Yeah. And even the Supreme Court, they took up some other issues that the conservatives were pushing. And remember after that, it was, you turn on CNN or MSNBC and it's like the Supreme Court's gone full right wing. They're going to strip us of our rights and all this stuff. But then some more liberal sided issues came up and the Supreme Court supported that. And to me that you, you saw the rhetoric the die balance, down a bit. The yeah. Lady holding that, the scales. That they, the they said, Oh, wait a minute. They're not 
going, you know, party line votes. They, their job is very specific and they held to that on various issues because I think when the Roe v. Wade went up, then everybody saw it as an opportunity to like, you know, all the wedge issue type stuff. And the Supreme Court said, no, that's unconstitutional. And it pissed the conservatives off and vice versa. You know, it, yeah. so it does. It is balanced. It's not the Supreme Court is the highest court. And it ha- doesn't have a basketball court in it, too. They, they call it the highest court. So there's a basketball court oh, a basket. in the Supreme. That makes sense. And that's the highest court the in the nation. But, nation. you know, they have a specific job and it's about the Constitution. And that's all they're concerned about. Not right. party politics. Right. Well, but let's be honest. When we're talking those wedge issues, that's our definition. Um, those are great fundraising uh, issues. Yeah, the, the fundraising that, And that's issues, why they yeah. keep coming up. I mean, if we're going to be really honest, they serve two really important purposes. One what you alluded to was it's a distraction, right? They're they're um, able to get everybody focused on those wedge issues. They're bringing in a whole lot of money. The parties are bringing in a whole lot of money um, to keep you focused on that. In meantime, and we saw, this was such a great example of this at this last session, um, mm-hmm. this special session. Uh, they're able to get a whole lot of other things done that nobody else is going to pay attention to That's right. because. Nobody's talking about them, and they are able to get some really crazy things done. And we saw uh, kind of a very cool example. I wanted to hear from you um, on this. I say cool example because we always look at it from a, a strategy piece. Well, you're geeking like out. What, we're we're yeah. geeking out, right? <laughs> so, um, and I don't want to give it too much air, but um, but I want to give some I want to give some energy to your colleague who I was deeply inspired by, but. Um, there was one piece that was in this, and we talked a little bit about this with uh, Beasley, but there was uh, one thing that came up. It was like um, Senate Bill 002, and it was about basically making sure that kids who um, who get EBT or whose families use EBT um, uh, funds to feed their family that during summer school that those would be expanded. So everybody's like, this is a weird kind of thing to put in when we're talking about taxes, but uh, but let, it, it needs to be done. So everybody's like, okay, it's cool. And that was completely hijacked. So tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, it was, it was propagandized. That's the only word it can be used. Um, there was definitely some tension, I mean, basically with the riots that you're seeing all over the country right now. Um, Representative Ron Weinberg, he's uh, part of the Jewish caucus and in, in, in our membership and um, there was a pro-Palestinian amendment run on that bill. And, and what it was is it was to not allow import of certain products. Um, but the whole idea behind it was pretty um, disgusting. And I don't want to get into all the details, but it definitely uh, got crazy at the end of session. Um, you know, the, on uh, Sunday night, was it? I think it was Sunday night it started, and then it carried into Monday morning. Um, I mean, we had the the, law, the gallery shut down. We actually had a legislator leave the floor and go sit in the gallery and scream at Representative Weinberg while he spoke. And what's upsetting about this is I watched the comments that she made down in the well and how it, like, pained him and it cut him. It cut all of our caucus because we all, the Mighty 19 all got behind Ron right away. There was no doubt. And, um, you know, he gave her her time to speak. And even though she was saying that his people were committing genocide, I mean, she made some some remarks from the well that, you know, I give him the respect. I don't know if I could have kept my cool that long. And he, he let her speak. And then when it was his turn to speak, um, you know, silenced him. Well, not silenced him, but screaming from the well, obscen- or from the, the gallery, obscenities. And it really... Um, you know, it was really disheartening. And then, you know, we had protesters come in and screaming and yelling. Here's the thing. I'm all about First Amendment rights. But there's a set of rules, and you can't scream and yell in the gallery. Like when the kids from um, East High, or was it, I think it was Denver East last year, to come talk to us about the guns, they came in. 
They came and sat in the gallery. They didn't scream and yell, some of them. There were some of them that did, and they got kicked out last session, and that was in the news. But the majority of them were peaceful, and they talked to us, and they, they, they did it the right way. But this was, you know, this was definitely to grab news headlines. I guess it happened last night at Denver City Council. Um, mm-hmm. I saw that yeah. this yeah. morning. Yeah. So it was really upsetting, and, you know, it was, it was an honor to stand up there with my colleagues beside Ron as he pushed back um, against um, that rhetoric. And he, he actually, I think, did a very good job of defending rural Colorado and small-town Colorado because he basically got up and told the supermajority, our constituents and us legislators up here on the Republican side deserve enough respect for you to take our bills seriously and what they do for our constituents instead of just killing everything on party line vote because you're the you got the big stick. And I think, you know, hopefully he got to some of those people because at the end of the day, like I said, this mandate that they talk about, when you look at the percentage of vote, it wasn't a mandate. I think, I mean, we represent a large swath of Colorado, the Republican Party up there. And I think that, you know, a lot of stuff that would help our district, um, they just shoot it down on party line. And I think he did a good job of trying to say, hey, you've got to just quit pushing us around. We're part of this conversation too. And I think he also highlighted how, um, the legis- the makeup of the legislature has changed. Um, it, there, there's definitely some very, very uh, far-left progressives, and I think that you see that split right now in the legislature. You see your conservatives. I mean, so the makeup of the legislature is really crazy right now, but I thought he did a good job of trying to fight for um, people outside the Metroplex and, and their voices and our voices as legislators to represent them. So I heard uh, Marianne Goodland reported that um, towards the end of his remarks, the rest of the floor stood up as well yes and 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 i thought that that was that's what happened yes no that is you can't see that on the video that is what happened and there was there was some people that weren't in the chamber i'm not going to say that there wasn't um there was some people that had left the chamber and that's common there if if you're in in disagreement some people just don't want to hear it so they go have a cup of coffee on the side but there was a handful of our colleagues on the other aisle that did um stand up um when ron and and i will say this that morning i thanked a lot of them from the floor because my daughter was in a serious accident um, they sent me flowers. About half of the caucus texted me. We hope your daughter's okay. And I, you know, I mean, that was a moment in that morning that was a, a happy moment of humanity. Um, yeah. But there was also that sad moment. But humanity pulled through when, you know, Ron started to speak that the other side stood up. And it was at least an acknowledgement to what he was saying. But at the end of the day, it's a long time between now and when session starts. And we'll see if those feelings carry over and if they actually give us a seat at the table or just try to put us in the corner like baby. Yeah. Do you think <clears throat> going into this next session, do you think there will be more opportunity for both parties to work together or do you think they're going to shut out one side? Um, you know, here's the deal is, is we got to look at history. Um, I've been playing politics now for five or six years. We've been shut out all the time um, as an elected official up there. There was, a, I think, out of a few of the bills I ran, there was a couple that really, if, if it wasn't partisan should have made it through. And I saw that with a lot of my colleague bills. I mean, Representative Bottoms ran a bill to cut income tax and the governor gets up during the HH debate. Oh yeah, we want to do this. We had it packaged in our bill because they had the renter stuff packaged in the bill. That was our counter. But at the end of the day, we're going to see because he bragged about cutting property taxes. And at the end of the day, we'll see if he allows his party to support us because, um, you know, there is a third chamber at the Capitol. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of things get run by the governor. I mean, and I think he gives a lot of direction on, on how the vote goes. And we'll see if, it, if it's serious talk, if that, that was, if that was serious at the table or if that was just politics. Well, he's been talking about that since he came into office, and um, what? The, the party hasn't. The party has given him so much pushback that he's. I don't think there's been real follow through right. on that because he has been talking about that. And 
um, I heard it. I heard at the inauguration um, this year, somebody and the, he, the person was getting interviewed, but they um, and they were they're Democrat and they ripped in at the inauguration. They ripped into the governor, and um, he said had some pretty choice things to say about him. As this was his second inauguration, but yeah. um, but it was interesting, and it's along those lines, like. It's it's a weird it's kind of a weird dynamic and if you're not up there it, so I can't be there for more than two or three days in a row without kind of losing my mind a little bit I don't know how you do it's a very different because you're siloed in this building the fishbowl yeah and and you're like the the drama sort of feeds on itself and pretty soon like people start to say and do some things that you would think. Like, are are you okay? You want to go? Are you are you okay? Is is there something? Do we need to have a, a mental health check on you? What's going on that you would act like this? It is. It's 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 draining. It's mentally exhausting. It's physically exhausting. I mean, average of four to five hours of sleep, and that's what's hard about the process. And I'm going to say this: it's set up for legislators to fail. I mean, yeah. you have yeah. five bills that you have to run. Then you have all your committees. Then you have to go through the committee's bills, then you have to go through everybody else's bills. So uh, unfortunately, it's, it's, and I will say this, the, the system's flawed in a way, and it's set up for legislators to fail. I mean, if you were really to give all that, and I know the arguments could be, well, maybe this should be a full-time job, and I think that's the last thing. I think it should be a shorter session with less bills, is my opinion. But I mean, there's a lot of work to be done, and then emotions fly, and then, you know, you get into these wedge issues. That's when we saw a lot of combative stuff last year with the wedge issues. You throw that in the mix. But no, you're right. And that, that building, um, you know, you can feel the heaviness when you walk oh, in. Oh, yeah, you know, for you're, sure. You can feel the heaviness. The energy changes. The right. second you go through security, the right. energy changes. You don't eat well. You don't sleep well. I mean, you don't drink enough water. You really don't mm-hmm. take care of yourself because the day flies. Yeah. So, you know, it, it's a total different world up there. And that's why, you know, I really respect, especially the legislators that come from a long ways to do it because I think you really know their heart's in the right place. Yeah. I'm not saying the others aren't, but... They, you know, a lot of them leave their businesses, they leave their families, yeah, there's they leave more their sacrifice whole life, and there's a lot of sacrifice, world. and I really yeah. respect that because, you know, I think that they really want to get up there and make a change. Like I said, I'm not knocking anybody that's an hour out or 20 minutes out, I five minutes out. I just think that, you know, that sacrifice is, is commendable, and especially with everything that we go through, but... I think that a lot of people have a servant's heart that are there and that yeah. are in that for the right reasons. That's why I'm there. I, I, I truly want to represent my people and I want to do it the right way um, and not the popular way, the right way. So I think that, um, you know, good people are trying to make a difference. And, you know, I think as long as you have those good people involved in the mix, um, we may not, you know, win the battle all the time. But I think that, you know, we're making ground and I think people are starting to see you know, which people are consistent, which message is consistent, and, you know, which message actually is going to affect their lives. And that's my hopes. So what's really interesting about Colorado, there's a lot of things that are really interesting about Colorado, but (laughs) one of the things is that right now we have the highest number of unaffiliated voters in the country. I still think that's because the open primary. Well, and the driver's license, too. Yeah, yeah. I I really think... Go ahead, sir. Oh, oh, sorry. Uh, it, well, you know, we've had like Beasley talk about it and a few other people saying this is a shift like more to the middle. We don't we're not Republican or Democrat. I still think it's just for the primary. I think it didn't change people's political views and the driver's license part of it, too. I, I don't think 
I think there's more unaffiliated because that's a cooler place to be so you could vote as a Republican or a Democrat in the primary more than anything. And then now when you get your driver's license, if you don't pick a party, they register yeah. you unaffiliated. So you're registered to vote when you get your driver's license. I think that was oh. a, a law passed, what, yeah. like four years ago, yeah. five years ago. So when you register, when you get your driver's license, they ask you, and if you don't pick, then you're registered unaffiliated. That's pretty interesting. So there. So no, there. <laughs> so, no. so I guess it's not that cool of a thing. I'm like, yeah. Well, no, I mean, but I think that that plays to it. And I think that what Ryan said, it's, you know, I think people want to be able to to play that primary for a yeah. lot of different reasons. Yeah. But we have. So to, to like kind of refute my argument for it, then you have Commissioner Grego here in Pueblo who went unaffiliated for political reasons because yeah. he felt that the Democrat Party does not represent the values that he had, and he went unaffiliated. And I think you're going to see some more of that. We had one person on school board elected that's unaffiliated, previously a Democrat. Um, so so it is changing. When you start, I think it'll mean more when you start to see more locally elected officials that are unaffiliated versus Republican or Democrat. And yeah. Then that's when you'll really be able to gauge if this is a political movement or it's just because my driver's license registered me that or right. I want to vote in the primaries. Well, I th- and I think one of the ind- big indicators of a change was HH in and of itself. Because usually without increasing your – or uh, by lowering your taxes, usually the voters go for that. And that's what yeah. you thought it was going to win. I, I thought people were going to read it just – looking at their property tax bill and saying like, yeah, I don't want to pay this much for property tax. And they, you know, most people don't read past the first three lines and that was a very complicated issue. So even in the blue book, you had information in the blue book that contradicted the information that had been put out by both sides, which was confusing as well. Um, But it didn't pass. So people, I guess they did pay attention. They don't want their Tabor money touched. That's, and I think that's the bigger point. Um, And it's when we talk about, the Tabor part of it, the interesting thing to me, and for those of you who are not uh, listeners who are not in Colorado, Tabor is the Taxpayer Bill of Rights, and it's unique in Colorado. No other state has it. And it basically says, look, we don't want you, our government, our state government, to get too big, to overspend. Um, and before you do anything with our tax dollars, you better come back and, and ask us if it's okay, if it's okay to increase your taxes, if it's okay on any of those things. And it's because it's really because we don't trust our legislators. No, no, no offense and, meant, but they're passionate about it. Like call yeah. are not kidding about Tabor. And then the government says, okay, so you don't want your taxes raised. So we'll just add a new fine or a fee, a fee, a fine, a whatever. What the legislature seems to love to do. And you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but it seems like out of every session, there's a whole bunch of new committees that are decision-making committees with no oversight no checks and balances. They get rid of their oversight. Last year was it the uh, CIGCC or the one that had to do with uh, law enforcement. Remember they let yeah. that committee sunset? Yeah. yeah. That's a perfect example. They, yeah. You know, committees that look over, they allow to sunset because they don't want that oversight. Well, yeah. and then all these committees are like, oh, so a bill comes up and it's 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 too overreaching or it's too whatever. So they go, well, let's let's make a study out of it. And let's create a committee that can tell us what the study is about or what we need to do. And then they come back. They may or may not come back, but um, decisions get made without 
really any without the legislature even really being there's involved. There's a I think I brought it up on the show before. I'm going to look it up. So keep okay. talking because okay. this is funny. Yeah. Well, I think the, that's because nobody wants to. I think that comes down to saying what's right and and not what's popular. Sometimes I think nobody just wants to roll up their sleeves and do the work because it's easy to push it off on the blame of a study or a committee than just you know making a decision and happen to wear that decision, good or bad. And I think that that's the problem is is we. We, they, I'm not saying this for all things because there has to be committees for some things. But I think a lot of times we try to try to figure out a way to set ourselves up so if there is failure that there's no blame to be given. And I think that you know as a leader, when you're wrong, sometimes you got to be willing to stand up and say you're wrong. And I think that's part of being a leader. But I think people try to insulate themselves with a lot of this stuff. Maybe I'm off base, but you know I think that a lot of this stuff is used to insulate. Well, and and to to be fair, we asked the legislators to be experts on things that they could not possibly be experts right. on. So you want to go? Oh, I need a little more information. I, <laughs> I need agree. some. I need some subject matter expertise That's on right. this um, to be able to make a decision. And then, but. Uh, it's it's that's a tough thing. Okay, what'd you find? So the in the the OSS, the Office of Strategic Strategic Services, which became the CIA after World War II, um, they have the simple sabotage field manual and general interference with organizations and productivity. So this is for this is large really organizations. Good. Have you ever heard this? Uh-uh. Oh, this so is it's, so good. Um, th- this is great. And it, it goes down to like the workers, to the employees. So it's how to disrupt like a, an organization or a company or a board or anything like that or a legislature, you know, a state legislature. It's um, insist on doing everything through channels. Never permit shortcuts to be taken in order to expedite decisions. Make speeches. Talk as frequently as possible and at great length. Illustrate your points by long anecdotes and accounts of personal experiences. Never hesitate to make a few appropriate patriotic comments. Um, when, when possible, refer all matters to committees for further study and consideration. Attempt to make the committees as large as possible, never less than five people. Bring up irrelevant issues as frequently as possible. Haggle over precise wordings of communications, minutes, and resolutions. Refer back to matters decided upon at the last meeting and attempt to reopen the question of the advisability of that decision. Advocate caution, be reasonable, and urge your fellow conference to be reasonable and avoid haste, which might result in embarrassments or difficulties. Be worried about the propriety of any decision. Raise the question of whether such action is contemplated with lies within the jurisdiction of the group or whether it might conflict with the policy of some higher echelon. Okay, just for the listeners, if you missed it, will you say what you're reading from again? Uh, This is the simple sabotage field manual from OSS on how to interfere with organizations and productivity. (laughs) Now, that didn't make the hair on the back of your neck stand up. Uh, But that's exactly what we're looking at because he's brought that up before. And I just sit there and I go, I get a little bit sick to my stomach. And I'm like, oh, my god. And everybody should Google it because it goes into managers and supervisors office workers, employees, which you could just substitute with, you know, elected officials and, you know, a board. But but here's where it, it kind of gets crazy. Um, how many times of every issue we're dealing with, and this isn't just like the legislature, this is everything. How many times have we heard like homelessness is a problem? Let's start a committee. Let's start another committee. Let's do this study. Let's talk about it. Let, I mean, it's exactly this. And then the committees that they make, it's always – 11 people, then it turns into 17 people. And now right. I think I sit on one for, um, it's like mental health, mental health and housing, which somehow two of them got combined and I get it. They're connected, but it went from an 11 person board committee 
to three committees with like 37 people on each committee and nothing has been done in the five years that I've been part of this. And it, and it's literally word for word on how to do this, you know, how to not get something done. The whole point of this manual or whatever was basically how to kill productivity to solve problems. And this is how you do it. And it's written out here. Crazy, right? Crazy. Sorry to go on a tangent. No, no. Thank you. I think it's interesting. Both of us geeks appreciate that a little bit, a little bit more than we should. So I'll go on another tangent. So one thing that, um, I think it's in the Philippines. So they have their special operations unit and then they have the officers and then listed and they always fight. And this kind of goes to a tweet that just sent out that said, enlisted people should never become officers, which I'll go in depth next time, which is told BS. But um, one thing they do is they get the leaders and the enlisted people together. And they always have this problem of decision-making between the leaders, kind of like, you know, politics basically. So they lock them in a room for three days and make them drink. And they do not let them leave. They're in like a gymnasium, 50 people in there, and they give them booze. And they're like, you guys need to get drunk and sit there. And, and like the, right? the the idea behind it is like if they're drinking, they're going to get in fights and they're going to lose their inhibitions and stuff's going to be said and stuff's going to be resolved at the end. And they found and no other military does it. And I probably know why. But they found that was the best way to squash bad decisions and trust and untrust amongst the people. So put it all on the table. Yeah, yeah, basically. And you know, I always said like maybe we should get all the legislators in a room and here, here's a bottle of whiskey. Whiskey Wednesdays (laughs) at the Capitol every week. And if you don't drink, I'm sure there's other legal substances in Colorado that there's anything. The side of the aisle you're on probably partakes in. Right. (laughs) But let's get in and get out. But 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 the the important thing, and I know it's funny, but it kind of squashes that. You know, you go in there, you feel this way about yourself and other people. And, and they're kind of right. It's like, yeah, if you're getting hammered with somebody right there, like all that's going to come up and then you kind of get reset to zero and you gain that respect or you end up hating each other forever afterwards. Right. But <laughs> but it, it gets that pretension out of the way and that pretending, you know, who you are and who somebody else is. I kind of like that, but that'll never fly. It's unhealthy to drink. It's un- Yeah, you shouldn't do it. Um Sorry, again, another tangent. (laughs) I don't get to do this often. Yeah, and we don't get to have Ty with us very often, but we love to have these conversations because you're just always very honest about what you feel. You're not not worried about it. So, A couple more minutes. Okay. He's got to go. I was just going to say, I was going to say, as we wrap this up, um, we know what your worries are. What are some bright spots for you in this coming session? Because we're all worried about this session. Um, um, especially because there's going to be a whole lot of posturing because it's in an election year. Um, I'm, I'm actually excited for this session. I mean, running for office was one thing, but actually being elected and going back in the district and talking to people, it's just a different vibe, if you know what I'm saying. I mean, you're the candidate, and then when you're the guy, um, you know, um, I talk to a lot of people, and they really respect what we're doing, and they see the fight, and, I, and that's on both sides of the aisle. Um, I, I've, I've had people approach me from both sides, of the aisle and be like, because like, I, like I've said over and over again, I'm going to say this. It isn't in, in Pueblo, the rest of southeastern Colorado, all nine counties in my district. It isn't as much 
Republican versus Democrat, it is rural versus urban. We talked about the other night right. at the Trinidad. Thing. Yeah. And, you know, because most Democrats in southeastern Colorado are Kennedy Democrats. You know, they right. love the country. They love the flag. They're conservative. Right. Most of them are Christian, whatever you want to say. So our beliefs align up. So I think that where I'm excited is, is I think we're starting to see that people are starting to believe there is a rural-urban divide, and we're actually starting to get together and fight for our area. Um, does I mean, and we're not always going to agree but, I mean, at the end of the day, this is about saving our communities for our businesses, our families, I mean, and, and surviving because we're important, too. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited to talk to all the people in the district. I'm excited to go back and fight for the values that I said I was going to fight for. Like I said, I was elected by a certain amount of people to go up and fight for those values. I think I really did that while getting things done for everybody in my district. So I'm going to continue to follow that beacon of the voters that put me in that seat. Um, continue to get things done. So I'm excited about that. Um, and I'm excited to the prospect of a new year. I mean, it's a new year. You yeah. shed off the old year. Um, I, I've learned a lot. That's another thing I'm excited. I'm not going in as a freshman, mm-hmm. so I understand how it works now. So I think that there's some things that are going to, that we're going to get done. Um, I sure hope there is. And then if not, um, you know, you just put your shoulder into it a little bit more. You dig in a little bit tighter. You become, I hate to say it, a little bit more obstinate and you fight for your people because at the end of the day, they're who sends you there. And, you know, to represent people, you have to talk to your people and listen to them. And I think that they gave me a, a strong, clear voice. And then it was backed up. What was really nice is it was backed up by the mandate of HH. So, I mean, you know, not only do you have that beacon that you're you're pushing for and you got that line that they give you to tow for them, but then knowing that, you know, the state is hopefully – um, the voters are becoming more aware and awake of what's happening. Um, I hope that carries through into special session or into the new session, and it gives us an opportunity to have a real strong cornerstone to stand on and say, "Hey, our voters have spoken. The people of Colorado have spoken, even not in our district." Now let's get the work done. Let's quit hee hawing around. Let's get the work done for the people. So that's the attitude I'm going to take up there this year. Um, and I just, you know, for those of you in House District 47 that watch this, just know that I'm going to go up there with your voice and your intentions, and I'm going to fight for everything that you asked me for. And I'm excited for that. I'm also excited to see my colleagues. You know, you become a little family. The, the Mighty 19, you become a family. It was good to see each other before Thanksgiving, but to get back in that groove. So um, it, it's going to be a good year, and, and if not, we're going to make it a good year. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Representative Winter, thank you so much for being with us again. Anytime. We appreciate it. Um, we appreciate you and all the work you do and the miles and, and <coughs> the, just the dedication and, and the servant leadership with which you uh, represent your um, and our area and our communities. Yeah. Action 22 does not endorse candidates during an election season, but we do support our membership. So if you're a candidate, we invite you to come on, speak about the issues, speak about your views, speak about your campaign. doesn't matter. Um, the views and opinions expressed on making action happen do not necessarily re- reflect the views and opinions of Action 22, its board, or its membership, except for Prop HH. <laughs> we were opposed to that. Um, Chad Vorthman, I know you're listening. Um and I will not be taking any fashion advice from you in the future, but I appreciate your input. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Thank you for tuning in to Making Action Happen. Be sure to join your hosts, Sarah Blackhurst and Brian McCain, for another edition of the show on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a good week.